I watched a lot of Salty. I've, you've, you've, um, if you've been it for around, around for a while, you also have seen me show clips of McGee and Me, another wonderful thing of the 90s. Uh, and I, but you know, uh, what I have to give them uh, about things like this, as weird as they were and are, um, I memorized a lot of scripture because of Salty. Uh, he had a whole thing where you go through the whole alphabet, and it's actually in Kids Praise 5, available fully on YouTube for free. If you want to check it out later. Um, and I know that that song is maybe familiar to you, whether you listen to this or because it's, I think it's a camp song now, those kinds of things. But that scripture piece comes from 1 Peter 5. And uh, I just think it's kind of a, it was kind of a fun way to start that off. That's going to be the verse that, or the scripture that we're in today. So if you have a Bible or a device, you're going to want to keep it open um, to 1 Peter 5. And we're going to kind of be uh, in and out of that uh, to this morning. So before we start, let's just uh, pray that God will be our guide. Uh, Father God, as we open up your word, uh, we just ask that you send your Holy Spirit to be the teacher and translator, uh, that anything that I have to say would be from you and of you, and anything that's not, that will just be forgotten. And so I pray that your word reaches the hearts and, and ears of your people in the exact way that they need to hear it. Father, we just ask for your presence to be so clearly felt among us. Be our translator, be our guide. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So last week, um, as part of this, we sort of did sort of an overarching conversation about anxiety, and I, I kind of mentioned, if you read the E! News this week, that anxiety is a difficult topic to talk about, especially in church, um, because I think in years we've done some, the church maybe over time has done some damage um, to the way that we talk about, uh, about anxiety or other sort of mental health uh, kind of concerns. Uh, so last week, if you weren't here, you heard me say a wonderful way, whether you have, are on the clinical side of anxiety or if maybe you're someone that's a little bit like me that just sort of general, uh, just struggle with general sort of worry or fear or, or some of those things that can creep in. If you're like that, um, you can be on either side. But if you are part of um, seeing a counselor, that is one of the greatest things that you can do uh, is to be part of a therapy. If you're on medication because uh, that's been something that you've needed to work through that, that is good. And I want you to keep hearing that. You're going to hear me say that every week we talk about this, that these kinds of truths that, that scripture gives us doesn't need to replace those things and shouldn't replace those things. Uh, but we do have some promises uh, that we get to lean into, uh, some behaviors that we can avoid and things that we can say yes to that are going to make those things uh, in our lives that become overwhelming easier to bear. Yeah? So always, always hear me say that. I don't ever want anyone to feel any kind of guilt or shame or we can just pray these things away and that's all we need uh, because God gives us a multitude uh, of ways and things um, to help uh, to deal with uh, that cause these things in our lives. So uh, hear that and know that as we, we move forward. Um, last week, we spent some time um, in, on Philippians 4 that just starts off with a bold statement of, you know what? Don't be anxious about anything. It's this idea that if we can submit and surrender uh, and give it to God, that he will sort of bring peace. And this week, we're going to focus uh, on 1 Peter 5, uh, verses uh, 5, 6, and 6, 7, and 8, for the most part. Um, and so if you have your scripture open, you can turn there, or it's going to be on the screen. And I just want to read it together before um, we're going to kind of go in and out of it a little bit. So it's helpful. We'll have it on the screen a lot. It says this, 1 Peter 5, starting at verse 5. In the same way, 
you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. Parents love this verse. Um, All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Verse 6, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. This is the one that we love that maybe some of you in your life have clinged to. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Right? Strong, that's kind of strong uh, language that we use, that the devil is like a lion. We talked about it a little bit last week that he kind of looks for sort of chinks in our armor, the things that, that open up our hearts to, to, be more, uh, to be more worried and afraid and nervous. Matthew 6, remember we talked about, says, just don't worry about your life. I kind of thought about that the more after I, after I kind of read it, it's an entirety. We didn't spend a lot of time, but he, he does some examples. Matthew says some examples of, of things you shouldn't worry about, but his bottom line is just don't worry about your life, period. And I'm like, how are, you, how are we supposed to accomplish that, right? To just to not have the kind of worry. We all worry in some aspects of our life. If you're not the kind of person that maybe um, is concerned with with details for you, I guarantee if you're a parent, you worry about your kids. Uh, we, we tend to worry more about people that we love more than we can worry about ourselves oftentimes, right? We get nervous, we get scared, and our bodies can respond physically to those things. Have you ever been in a situation where you've been so nervous you start sweating? You know, you know right? T- T- Pastor Terry will admit uh, that he often, uh, even though he preaches every Sunday, he'll say, I sweat through my shirt, on a Sunday morning because I'm, there's always a part of me that's a little nervous. But we, that's our body's reaction to those nerves that we have, right? It's just a natural response that we've been hit with this extra shot of adrenaline, right? Your body, your thoughts start racing and uh, you're getting prepared for something. Your body needs, is going to use that extra adrenaline to do something because you're gearing up for something. Um, maybe in the early versions of ourselves as people, it was, you know, using adrenaline to run away from danger. Uh, and maybe that's true, you know, that's still true for us now. If we, have a, if we have a fight or flight mechanism in us that causes us to go. And maybe sometimes that same adrenaline that gets our bodies prepared, when we get an adrenaline dump, it can also feel like this is not, this is not what I need right now. Or if you, a lot of us are afraid to do what I do, to do some public speaking, that's like the number one fear. And so when you have to do that, whether it's a large group or maybe even a small group, maybe you've been asked to pray at family Christmas, I get it. Like you were sort of like, you bet I will. And you sort of, and your body does this adrenaline dump. And even though you're in front of all the people that you know, your mind starts to race and you want to say the right words and your brain is actually functioning better because the synapses are firing, but you're sort of not used to it and it's overwhelming and so words can get hard. Our emotions, our bodies have physical response to some of those emotions and most of them are protective. All of our emotions other than joy uh, are meant to protect us from something, which I think is interesting. And nerves are our body's way of gearing up for some of those things. We just want to, oftentimes we we like to avoid those things though, right? Like we, so again, 
part of my personality, right, uh, if I'm using like an Enneagram, um, one of the Enneagram seven things are I do my darndest to avoid pain. Uh, and so my uh, level of being overwhelmed or anxiety-inducing things can be, I'm just going to talk about how great everything is. <laughs> it's fine, it's great, it's fine, it's fine, it's great. And uh, I over-talk a ton um, because I just want to seem super breezy. Like the situation I'm in is fine and it's not a big deal. But you'll know, if, if I know that about myself now, actually looking back at my own behavior while thinking about this anxiety sort of series we're in, that's absolutely how it shows up in me. I would never have said, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm not really an anxious person. That's not, oh my goodness. Yes, it is. I actually have far more anxiety that I deal with uh, that I just wasn't fully aware of, and that's how it shows up in me. As I just talk, I actually struggled um, with, and I'll just be honest with you about, um, Christmas Eve was here, right? We had our first Christmas Eve service, and I just wasn't as prepared as I wanted to be. I was coming from a Christmas party and I wrote some notes and I just felt like, oh, that did not go how I wanted it to go. And then I became anxious and obsessive about it, just about how it went. And I just, but I was talking about how it was fine. It was fine. It wasn't exactly how I wanted it to go. And I would, I, I would talk about it with anyone that would listen, anyone that would listen. I don't know what even what I was looking for. Because if you told me, no, it was fine, don't feel bad about that, did not matter to me at all. <laughs> but then I would say, and then I knew what was true in my head, it doesn't matter. When we're gathered here, God is glorified and that's what mattered. And I just kept telling myself that and telling myself that, though I didn't really believe it. Because it's just how we're, we, we function. We, we let ourselves sort of get we overwhelmed and we sort of spin but these, some of these bad feelings that, that we can have, whether it's pain or sorrow, um, fear, anger, grief, all those things are, are normal and to be expected. But we want to run and avoid. And if I wanted to run and avoid, this is part of, uh, part of who I am maybe to more of the extreme degree. None of us want to be in those places. We do our best to avoid them. And it makes sense, but one thing Jesus tells us time and time again is that suffering is to be expected. Struggle is to be expected. It's okay. It shouldn't feel foreign to us. It's okay. You are going to go through things that are going to be difficult for you. Jesus himself suffered, but we sort of get caught up in this uh, comparison of our lives, right, with other people. Like you, you think, you look at somebody and you go, it's just so easy for them. They seem to do that effortlessly. Look at the things they get to do or their marriage or their kids or it's really, it, it, it's different aspects of your life depending on maybe where you are in yours that you compare the most. Sometimes it's financial stuff that you're like, I should be at that level. Um, sometimes it's like their kids are so well behaved. Right? Like we envy par like parents who have really well-behaved kids. And they're just like, golly, they're just so great. And that happens when they're younger and when they're older, right? Like, oh man, those kids, they seem to be all friends and they like each other. And we think it comes so easy, but we don't see the struggle behind anything when we do that comparison, comparing. Those are behaviors that we have that, that are not helpful and more often induce anxiety rather than uh, are helpful at all in, in com on combating it. They don't struggle or suffer. Look at them. 
They're fine. Everything in their life is perfect. And we have no idea. We have no idea. So if suffering and struggling is normal, uh, we all have enough stuff that we're dealing with just in life in general. We can say yes to that. Yes, Carrie, I have plenty that is on my plate that I deal with and struggle with. Yes. My question to us is why do we invent new ways to torture ourselves, (laughs) to struggle, to to cause, to, to invite more of those anxious, overwhelming feelings that we have? We sort of invent them and invite them in. And I would say, like, I don't have mine in my back pocket today. This thing, do you have one of these? You do, I know you do. I see some of you scrolling through it now. I say, I'm going to believe that you're on the Bible app. But this thing is this, this constant communication piece that is maybe the new age torture device in some ways, right? Like we are overloaded with information coming at me all the time. And it's not just social media, but now it is crazy. When I was um, a young adult, I was in um, graduate school uh, learning um, how to work with college students. And one of my assignments was to get a Facebook. Like Facebook was the new way that college students were communicating. And that was when it, you had to have a, a, a .edu email address to have one of those. I'm going to be 40, timestamp, just so you know, that's all. Uh, so, but now there's, there's more platforms than I could ever possibly keep up with. So there's that, but there's just also the, right, the cable news resources, the, all, all the information that comes flying at us. You can get any, you don't need a computer, really. You can just function with life on this. You don't need print materials. You don't need to find a newspaper. Everything we have comes from this thing that goes in our pocket and travels with us everywhere. Which I feel like if exacerbates our problem sometimes of just constantly having it and almost having this sort of addicted nature to it, I have to, put, I can't sleep with my phone in my room because it will be the last thing I do or the, and the first thing I do. I bought an alarm clock the other day. Amazon still sells them. I got the most basic one I could find, but that's, that's, what, I, that's what I did. I had to buy an alarm clock to sort of get, like break myself of some of those habits I bought myself an Apple Watch, worst thing I ever did. If you have an Apple Watch, good for you. For me, in my personality, the worst. I sold it not even four weeks later. Because it was this this thing on my wrist that buzzed. And that conditioned me to constantly check things. And guess what that did for me? Amped up my anxiety. Because everything was shouting that be done now, that I have to deal with things now, that whether it's a personal thing and I look and I have a text message, or guess what, my next meeting is in five minutes and I'm not done with this one. Do you, have you been in those spaces? Do you know how that feels? I think that's just the life that we're sort of living in the culture that we live in. It's instead of helping me, helping me be more efficient, it's distracting me and causing me to feel more anxious about all of those things. But I, I oftentimes will, will, like, will scroll even like <clears throat> when I'm sitting in the living room, right? And in this now, especially in this uh, political uh, climate year, like we're going to, you know, get a new, get a, well, get a, we're going to talk about a president. <laughs> it's tricky. <laughs> it's tricky. Tricky, tricky, tricky. Uh, 
So we're going to talk about it. Who knows what will happen? Jesus knows. Uh, but anyway, we're, we're talking about it, right? And so it's everywhere, and there's all these, this, and so people are, everyone has an opinion, and everyone posts it everywhere, whether it's on a, your social media account or whether it's just uh, just looking at regular news, and that causes me anxiety. But most of the time, it's this feel I get disgusted by all of it, right? Either side of the thing, and, I, and then I get worked up, and I just I find myself like, like is is what I do even matter in this thing that we're doing? That's what I do before I go to bed, and then I pray, God, give me peace. What? That was. <laughs> Dumb, like, how do we, we I'm going to do this before. I'm going to invite this into my life. Uh, that's the thing that is going to steal my peace the most. It is going to unsettle me. And that's the thing I do before I go to bed. And then I pray, Lord, give me, give me peace. This is the stuff that eats our peace alive, right? In, in, in Peter, it says, um, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. This is the kind of stuff, this is the way in that we just get devoured. But I think the thing we think about is peace is it's not the absence of conflict. right? Peace is about wholeness and restoration. It's about shalom, the peace that comes from Christ. And when we get up, when we get caught up in behavior of wrestling with anxiety, fighting with it, we feel more anxious. We feel more overwhelmed because we're in this constant battle uh, of, of feelings and emotions and it's this push and pull and I want people to, whatever your thing is, I want people to like me. I want you to think that I'm good at my job. I want to be good at my job. I want people to think whatever, uh, that you're athletic, that you're attractive, that you're intelligent, um, that your family is where it should be. What You fill in the blank of what it is for you that we're constantly sort of in this battle with, and I generally find that those are the things that are bringing you the most anxiety in your life. Our minds sort of can take our feelings and they can reshape our reality. It's a weird thing, right? Because what you feel isn't inherently wrong. You should feel those feelings and you're allowed to have those feelings. But what our brains sometimes do is it edits things together, I feel like, and creates this alternative uh, truth that happened for you, this false narrative, right? Have you ever had a, a conversation with somebody, right? And then it's only later that you have the conversation again and again, and again, and the more you have it, the more you remember it differently, and your feelings feel, and you feel differently about it. I wish I would have said that. When they said this, I wish I would have said that. Maybe they didn't even say that. Because we, we talk to ourselves, I think, sometimes more than with other people. This is the stuff that devours us. This is the stuff that eats at our peace, that eats at our wholeness. And in verse 7, it says, cast those things, those anxieties, those cares, cast them on him. Philippians says to tell us to surrender, but instead of surrendering and casting and those things, what do we do? Oh, we hold on to it so tight. That's the behavior that we love the most, right? Is, is, to, is to hold on to it tight, to not surrender, and to engage in this sort of tug of war. Someone explained it to me this way. 
when you're talking about anxiety, is it's this, it's this tug of war that there's sort of like a chasm of doom in the middle, right? And you have this rope, and anxiety's on the other side, and I'm over here, and I'm engaged in this push and pull battle with all my might of fighting this anxiety so that it doesn't pull me into the chasm of doom, that I don't get pulled, that I don't get swallowed up. But no matter how much I pull and pull and pull and choose to fight, I can't pull anxiety into the chasm of doom. That's not how it works. So I fight and I fight and I struggle and we go back and forth and all my energy is expended. And I, pretty soon you can't do the things that you really want to do because you're too engaged in this push and pull. And you can't give it up. But it's so simple, right? And, and the way to say it is, what could, what's the best thing that we can do at that point? Put the rope down. That was mind-blowing to me. We can just put the rope down. I don't have to engage in this fight. That I can just remember that it doesn't have to control me. I don't have to engage in this push and pull. I'm going to carry on, and I'm going to maybe have these feelings, but I'm going to do it anyway. If I'm scared, I'm just going to do it. If I'm feeling sad or upset, I am going to get out of bed and I'm going to do the next thing. Anxiety isn't part of your identity. It is not who you are. Part of the research for my study uh, of this um, and just kind of just thinking and reading and talking to different people and Pastor Terry and... um, I listen to a lot of stuff too, and so um, maybe you've heard of this guy, Pastor Stephen Furtick. He has a big, kind of a medium-sized church called Elevation. He's got a little band too. It's called Elevation Worship. I'm just kidding. They're huge, and he's huge, and the church is ginormous, and anyway, that was funnier than I thought it was going to be when I thought about (laughs) Thank you. Pity is fine. I'll take it. Uh, But he had a series on anxiety um, called Triggered. And so I listened to a bunch of those, and I, I just loved that the Lord gave him this profound thought that I wanted to share with you. We sort of, can you put um, verse seven on, 7 on the screen? That section. So verse 7 says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for us. We love verse 7, but we don't want to do engage in the behavior of verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Humble yourself before God's mighty hand. Humbling is a difficult thing because I want to be the star of my life. I want, I want things to be the way that I want them, and I want it to be about me, and I want you to think it's about me. And I don't want to say it that way, but that's what I, but when I really think about my heart of hearts, yes, that's exactly right. Because the culture that we live in, uh, we invented the humble brag. Where you get to talk about your life and be like humbled, blessed. But let me tell you all the things about why I should be humble, right? It's not something that we are very good at actually doing and take time in because we live in a place that, that honors accomplishment and achievement above all else. And that only adds to our, to our anxiety and our fears and, our, and this idea of not, you know, being enough, and so that's the interesting thing. You have to go through, you have to go through verse 6 to get to verse 7. So in the NIV now, there is a period, right? It says, 
um, that he may lift you up in due time, period. New sentence, new idea. Cast your anxieties on him. But Pastor Stephen did some work and said in the, in the original language, there's actually a comma. It's a continuation. It's not a new thought. It's, it's one of those, because of that, then that. Because if you ever feel like you are casting your anxieties and, and your cares on him, but they're coming back at you like a boomerang, you're like, what is happening? I feel like I'm doing that, Carrie. I feel like I am. I'm bringing them to the Lord. I'm casting my cares on him, but they just feel like they're coming back. It's that humble part that's difficult. Remember in Exodus 3 when God was explaining um, to Moses uh, that Pharaoh, he's like, listen, Pharaoh's never going to let you guys go unless the mighty, a mighty hand compels him. The mighty hand of God is one that we rely on for provision and protection. Those are the things that we can call on him for. It's the things we feel comfortable calling on him for, that we want him to do, that we remember that he does. But then there's a third thing that we struggle and that leads to much of our anxious feelings, and that's the plan. That he gives us protection and provision, provision and protection, but then we have to trust him for the plan, and we want to be central to our story. So a lot of my anxiety comes from being confused about who's in control. He gets it. I have responsibility, and therefore I confuse that with sovereignty. I don't have sovereignty over my own life. <laughs> it's cool, man. He's just cracking me up. He's got so much to say. So God has given me responsibility. Therefore, he's given me control, and we love control. That's sort of the confusing thing that happens, is responsibility and control don't have to go hand in hand. I, I do that in my prayer life. I try to control God in my own prayer life. Sometimes my own prayers are sort of nudging God in the right direction because he needs me to help him figure out what I need and should do. Does your prayer, ever, prayer life look like that? Like if God's sort of hand is over control and my hand is on top of his hand, kind of nudging him in the right direction? Control, we, I, I love it. I make it about me, and, but when we humble ourselves before God, there goes our pride. There goes the sense that it's all me because they have a difficult time living together. And I want to mention, there's verse 8, and sometimes that first part doesn't get a lot of uh, airtime. Be alert and of sober mind. And I I like that. And the way that I'm thinking about it in the context of what we're talking about as far as behaviors is that we get drunk on information. We become uh, intoxicated with our own feelings and our own overwhelming emotions. Right? Not, not long ago, I would get wrapped up in feeling of, of insecurity. I spent so much time and energy worrying about what my life would be like 25 years from now. I'm not kidding. I spent time, I don't know how I engaged in this conversation with a friend, but it was just like I was unraveling before our very eyes about my life 25 years from now. So if I'm going to be 40, 25 years puts me at what? 65. What happened at 65? You're supposed to. That's the, I doubt that'll happen by the time I turn 65. But anyway, that area, and I felt so not, like, I'm not ready. I'm so far behind the eight ball. I didn't do all the things I was supposed to do at a certain time, and so I'm not set up for that. 
And I see my friends around me and they have 401ks and they have the things and they've been paying on their house for a lot longer than I have. And I, for whatever reason, spinning. It didn't, and, and, and the person I was with taught, speaking truth into my life, telling me not to worry and here's why, because I've invested in relationships and all those things, but it didn't matter. It was like it wasn't penetrating because I had gotten overwhelmed by the emotions that were going on inside me. I was in tears crying about my life 25 years from now because emotions are good and you absolutely are allowed to have them but don't let them get you drunk and I felt like it, that's what it felt like this was an overwhelming hungover terrible I don't want this to happen to me again kind of feeling because what I want you to hear me say is take the time to feel what you're feeling Feel sad. Feel angry. It's okay to be afraid. To deal with your feelings, to go through your feelings, but just not to be controlled by them, right? We can practice mindfulness simply by engaging in what's happening in the here and now, right? That's part of what mindfulness is all about. I'm only, I feel like I only know this much about it, and there's a lot of conversation about what your brain does during that time, and I fully don't understand it yet. So I'll tell you when I do. But basically, it's this practice of trying to not spend so much time about all the other stuff and just focusing on for a minute of what's happening right now. What's around me that I can enjoy? It's like going on a walk without taking your phone with you, where you take your earbuds out and you just hear the sound of your feet and, what, and hitting the pavement and maybe the rhythm of your, uh, of your heart beating in your chest and how that goes, and maybe it's going to get faster as you go, and you're listening to the things around you and the world around you, and it's good. And it just those kinds of things are things that can slow us down and keep us from unraveling. It's whatever it is that you can do that are helpful to you to just take you out of your own emotions and not let them get overwhelming. Spending time reading scripture is good, but guess what else is good? Spending time reading a really good novel just, just, that can be just as helpful. There's one more verse that I, I want to, to give you because I think it gives us the most hope um, as we wrap up. And, and that is verse 9. We didn't talk about verse 9, and I love verse 9. Resist him. Yes, the one that's like a lion that's coming after you, that's ready to devour you. Yes, standing firm in your faith. Because you know that the family of believers, right here, right here, and throughout the world, is undergoing the same kind of suffering. Peter's talking to, um, Peter's talking to the church that's being persecuted, right? That's, that's the group of people he's talking to. But it still matters for us. Maybe we're not under that kind of persecution, but it just means we're not alone. So if this is the space that you come to, to feel put back together, that you can feel, um, this is one of those things that you can do that is a healthy behavior, that, you can, that, that helps keep you grounded, that's good because there's somebody in this room that understands, understands exactly what you're going through. That can have empathy and love and encouragement for you. That's part of the reason we gather. We have this space uh, to come into because there are people that know what it's like to deal with the things that you're dealing with and you are not alone. Let's pray. Lord, Lord, I pray that you will take my spinning mind and calm it. 
that you will take each unnecessary thought and cast them away. That you will pull out negativity and replace it with confidence and love. That you will erase the doubt and anxiety and instead show me the power of your holy name. I pray that you will take my pounding heart, my clammy hands, my brain that's continually overthinking and give me peace. Peace to understand that there are things I cannot, ch- I cannot change. Peace to accept your promises rather than the just impermanence of the world around us. Peace to let go of my pain and replace it with faith. Peace to stand firm in you, in who you are and who you say that I am because of you. In Jesus' name we pray and we believe. Amen.